everyone today. If you're a guest with us this morning, we're so glad to have you in service with us today. Thank you for being here with us this morning. And if you're joining us online this morning, wherever you may be joining us from, we pray that the presence of the Lord touches you where you are today. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to begin reading with verse number 10. I'm going to read several verses if you'll be patient with me. Beginning with Ephesians chapter 10. Scripture says this. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by His hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and with God and without God in the world. The basic context here, he's speaking to the Gentiles and and really according to scripture, there's two categories of races, Jews and Gentiles. And, and based on the Old Testament, the Gentiles had no access, no right to what belonged to the Jews. But what Paul is saying is, he, he's reminding them of that, that in time past, you, you didn't have Christ. You were aliens. You were strangers from the covenant of promise. Verse 13, but now, but now, I've told you what you were, but now... In Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For He is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, speaking of Jews and Gentiles, having abolished in the flesh the enmity, even the law, of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain one new man so making peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were far off and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father and Really, everything I'm reading is is really to get your attention to verse number 19. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. Verse number 11, he says, Don't forget that in time past 
you were Gentiles. You, you had no access. You were not a participant in this. But now, verse 19, now you are, you're not strangers and foreigners anymore, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God. Father, I thank you for your presence that we have felt in this place today, your spirit that has touched hearts and lives already in this place today. I thank you, God, that when we offer our praise and our worship to you, you respond to us by ministering to us, meeting our needs. I believe you've already done that for some people in this place this morning, but I pray that you would continue to do that now through your word, Lord. I pray, God, that you would allow me simply to be a messenger that would deliver a message from you, not... Not a sermon, God, because that's what we expect if we're in a service, but but whatever you want to say, Lord, we've just sung about hope. I pray that that would be a reality in somebody's life today, that hope would be ignited. And again, not hope, Lord, that's just kind of wishful thinking, but hope that is a confident expectation based upon what your word says, what your word promises. Jesus, I trust in you today. I depend on you. I acknowledge, Lord, that without you I can do nothing. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. God bless you. I want to read a couple of these verses again from a couple of different translations. Just give a little bit of different flavor on what the way the King James says it. The Amplified says it, verse 12, this way. Remember that you were at that time separated, living apart from Christ, excluded from all part in Him, utterly estranged and outlawed from the rights of Israel as a nation and strangers with no share in the sacred compacts of the messianic promise, with no knowledge of of or right in God's agreements, His covenants, And you had no hope, no promise. You were in the world without God. That's kind of depressing. But verse 19. Therefore you are no longer outsiders, exiles, migrants, and aliens excluded from the rights of citizens, but you now share citizenship with the saints. God's own people, consecrated and set apart for Himself, and you belong to God's own household. And then the Message Bible says it this way, starting with verse number 16. Christ brought us together through His death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace, and that was the end of the hostility. Christ came and preached peace to you outsiders and peace to us insiders. He treated us as equals and so made us equals. Through Him we both share the same Spirit and have equal access to the Father. That's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all 
irrespective of how we got here in what he is building, irrespective of how we got here. We went around this room this morning and talked about how you got here, what your life has been like. We would find a vast range of stories. Paul says it doesn't matter how you got here. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how bad of a person you may have been, but we are now one in Christ. We are fellow citizens. You may have been an outsider before, but because of the blood of Jesus, you're not an outsider anymore. It's interesting to me, if, in case somebody's not that familiar, perhaps with Scripture, with the Bible and the Old Testament, there are so many things that God did. There are so many things that are said in the Old Testament that were very specifically intended to be an example for us in the New Testament. In fact, the children of Israel, the the nation of Israel in the Old Testament is intended to be a representation of the church in the New Testament. So things that they went through naturally, God was using those things to teach us things about what we call the church today. And from the book of Exodus through Deuteronomy, so that's Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and those four chapters, those four chapters, some of the significance of that being the children of Israel have just come out of hundreds of years of bondage in Egypt, and God is in the process of taking them to the promised land. And so in that transition, He is establishing some things for them as to how they are supposed to live and 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 what life is supposed to be like when they make it into the promised land. And so in those four chapters, you will find the word stranger 70 times. 70 times in those four chapters you will find the word chapters you will find the word stranger you'll you'll find the plural of that word many times as well not every single time of those 70 that that word stranger is used is it specifically being used to give instructions about how to treat the stranger but there are a number of those times that the word stranger is there because God is telling the children of Israel how to treat the stranger And the way he was telling them to treat the stranger was not to shun them, it was not to reject them, it was not to treat them as less, but in fact it was it was really the opposite of that. He was making sure that that natural nation would understand and know when there are strangers that come among you, this is how I want you to treat them. And I believe that God was doing that there because He was wanting us to know when we get to the New Testament as the church, as spiritual Israel, how we are supposed to treat those who may be strangers among us. Barnes Note says of that verse 19 in Ephesians, the word rendered strangers means foreigners in state as opposed to citizens. And the word rendered foreigners means guests in a private family as opposed to the members of the family. 
He's saying, you're not just going to be a guest in our house anymore. i got to question anybody here today that there's somebody in your life that they are not technically your family, but you consider them family. Look at that. My four kids, they've got a couple of biological aunts and uncles, but for years now, growing up in this church, there there have been people in this church that they call them their uncle and their aunt, not just simply as an affectionate term, but because, in essence, they truly view those people that way, even though they're not a blood relative. There's a big difference between being a guest in somebody's home and being a family member in somebody's home. If you invite me to your house today, I, I'm going to be very mindful and respectful. I, I'm not going to go anywhere in your house that you don't tell me to go or tell me I can go. Depending how well I know you, forgive me for being kind of, you know, elementary here, but I, I, I may... My kidneys may be full and I may need to use the restroom, but I may be too uncomfortable at your house to even ask. Where the... If you're a guest, I'm not going to go in your fridge. You tell me to go in your fridge, I still might not go in your It's not my house. But when I go home today and I'm at my house, I'm not asking for permission to go anywhere. Not going to ask for somebody what I can or cannot do, and and uh, there are there are uh, six people who walk into my house. Uh, two of them that still live there, but four others that don't live there anymore. They walk into my house. They go pretty much wherever they want to. Four of them will go into my bedroom without permission. Two of them probably won't do that. That's the sons-in-law. <laughs> Not saying they can't, but they because it's your family. When you become a part of the kingdom of God, you're not a guest anymore. You're not just a guest anymore, but Paul says you are, you are a fellow citizen. You are a family member. Can I tell you today, the world tries hard to do what only God and the church can do. The world can't fix the problems that are in our world. The the world can't fix the divisions that are in our world. There's only one place and one hope to, to see healing in lives, and that is the church. It's the only place. See, I think one of the reasons that God was so intentional about this idea of strangers and then some of the things that he says through Paul and principles throughout the New Testament is because we are all created with a need to belong. We all are created with that need. Verywellmind.com says this with regards to the need to belong. The sense of belongingness, also known as the need to belong, refers to a human emotional need to affiliate with and be accepted by members of a group. Examples of this may include the need to belong to a peer group at school, to be accepted by co-workers, to be part of an athletic team, or to be part of a religious group. What do we... what? Do we mean by the sense of belonging? A sense of belonging involves more than simply being acquainted with other people. It is centered on gaining acceptance, attention, and support from members of the group, as well as providing the same attention to other members. 
The need to belong to a group also can lead to changes in behaviors, beliefs, and attitudes as people strive to conform to the standards and norms of the group. In social psychology, the need to belong is an intrinsic motivation to affiliate with others and be socially accepted. This need plays a role in a number of social phenomena such as self-presentation and social comparison. There is a, there is a God-given need that you and I have. We weren't created as human beings to live isolated and alone. We were created to be connected and I believe God ultimately put that in us because he wanted us to be connected to his body, the church. That really there's no other group, there's no other organization, there's no social institution that has the ability to provide what the body of Christ is able to provide. Not that you're, you're no longer, you know, you, you can, you, you, you can go, uh, you know, you can go to an athletic event. You can buy a ticket to go to an athletic event. But if you're not a, you know, if it's college or professional, if you're not one of the players, you probably don't want to try to go into the locker room. I, I'm not. I'm not trying to be offensive to anybody here this morning, and if, you, if you're on the other side of this uh, opinion, it's an opinion. It's my opinion. My opinion on this, I think, is just as valid as your opinion uh, in this particular area. <laughs> you know, I, I, I personally don't like to use the pronoun we when referring to the teams I'm a fan of. We didn't win. We didn't lose. I wasn't on the field. I wasn't on the court. I didn't do any of that. I wasn't getting hit by 300-pound linemen and knocked to the ground. <laughs> I'm not hobbling off after the game because of all the aches and pains that took place. So try that we. Go into the locker room if you're not a team member. See how, that, see how well that we works. <laughs> sorry, no thank you, you're not allowed, you're not one of the team members. Can I tell you today that when you are born again and you become a part of the church of the living God, there there are no areas that are off limits to you. There, there are no special places that only certain people are able to go to and have access to. It doesn't matter how you got here. It, it doesn't matter the path that you went through to get here. As the Message Bible said, irrespective of how we got here. Your guest today, and you don't know me, probably figured out by now I'm the pastor. My parents started this church in 1970. I was born and raised in church, this church, been in the church all my life. From a natural perspective, and notice I say from a natural perspective because this is not a scriptural concept. From a natural perspective, I think I could be considered a pretty good person. All the things that people do that are the bad, a lot of the bad things people do, I've, n- I've never done. But man, there's some people here from a worldly perspective. Now in the 80s, we said when something was cool, man, that's bad. That's a good thing. I'm not talking about you were a bad person like you were cool. I mean, you were a bad person. You were a bad person. People didn't want to mess with you. People didn't want to be around you. Doesn't matter. 
irrespective of how we got here. Doesn't matter how you got here. Doesn't matter if you were strung out on drugs and God delivered you. Doesn't matter if you were an alcoholic. It doesn't matter any of those things. When you are born again and you become a new creature in Christ Jesus, we become fellow citizens. None of us are better than any others because the blood of Jesus Christ washes us and makes us brand new. Galatians chapter 3 says it this way, verse 27. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. I, I, I used to, I didn't feel the need to do this, but I feel the need nowadays. I'm just going to pause for one moment and tell you that statement there, neither male nor female, has nothing to do with the agenda in our world today. That's not what Paul was saying. You are all one in Christ Jesus, and if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There, there, there's not educated and uneducated. There's not rich and poor. There's none of those things. We are have all become one in Christ Jesus. As Paul said, where we read in Ephesians, he's broken down the wall. Division. There's nothing else like it in the world. There's nothing else like the church of the living God. And I'm not talking about a church. I, I, I believe we are a church. We are not the church here today. The church is bigger than any local church. And the church is bigger than any organization or denomination or label. The church, according to the word of God, the church defined by the word of God. There's nothing like it. Perfect? Absolutely not. Anybody here love your family today? We already anybody love your family? Yeah. Anybody ever have issues and struggles and problems with your family? There's there's still your family. My, my brother and I were nine, basically nine years apart, two months shy of being nine years apart. So there's not a whole lot of sibling rivalry between a nine-year-old and a you know, eight-month-old. <laughs> if there was, then I would be an immature nine-year-old. <laughs> so, you know, in a lot of ways, it was kind of like being raised like an only child to some degree. So... We had four kids in six years. It was a new world for me. My wife was raised with two older sisters, and so it was all normal for her. How in the world can two people that are supposed to be family be about to kill each other? It shouldn't be that way. You know what's amazing most of you have experienced this in some form or fashion. You can be absolutely at odds with a sibling or a family member, but the moment somebody else outside, whoo, 
You're not a very wise person if you want to jump in the middle of a sibling argument. Because it's about to be two to one, but not you and somebody else is the two. I'm not here today to preach to you the church is a perfect place. In fact, the bottom line is, read the New Testament. The church has never been a perfect place. Some of the founding leaders, the apostles, didn't want Gentiles in the church. (laughs) Peter had to have a vision from God to convince him that a Roman centurion could be saved. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. The church is not a perfect place. It's never going to be a perfect place because there's human beings in it. I said it a week or two ago, if you find if you happen to find the church someplace that is the perfect church, Do not become a member. Because the moment you become a member, it won't be the perfect church anymore. Bottom line is you can't find it because we are all sinners that have been saved by grace. And so I'm not here today preaching to you that this, that a church or even this church is some perfect place, but at least according to the principles of the Word of God, if we are striving to be like what the Word of God says, then there's not Jew nor Greek. There's not bond or free. There's not those that are better than others. It doesn't matter how you got here. We are all fellow citizens. The Apostle Peter says it this way in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 7, Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But you, that's us, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. And then verse 10 says this, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. We sit today a group of people that used to not be a people. We come from all different backgrounds and walks of life. It's not some organization that brought us together. It's not some man-made idea that brought us together. But it's the blood of Jesus Christ that has brought all of us together. And we who were not a people are now the people of God. I I don't want to hit hot button topics and lose some of you, but I'm just here to tell you today the world is never going to eradicate racism. It's an age-old problem. It's not an American thing. It's a human thing. 
Doesn't matter how hard you try, they may make some improvements, but there's only one thing that can deal with racism and prejudice. There's only one place where all of that can be washed away, and that is within the church of the living God. You who were not a people, Jew or Greek, it doesn't matter. You are now, you are now the people of God. You are now the people of God. You weren't a people, but now, now you're the people. Of God, some of the people that have become the dearest to my dearest to me in my life come from backgrounds that, from a natural perspective, we should have never connected. We should have never formed the relationships and the bonds that we have. But, but because of God, because of the blood of Jesus, those of us who were not a people are now. We are now. The people of God. I tell you today, you're not being invited into something if you're not a part of the church. And again, I'm not talking about this church. If you're not a part of the church, you're not invited. You're not being invited to be a part of something as a, as a second-rate member. When the blood of Jesus Christ washes you and takes away all of your sins, you've got the same access to the same things everybody else has access to. All one body. I I I was recently and please receive this in the way that I mean it, intend it. I've already said, and if I haven't said it as clearly, let me say it. This is not a perfect place. We are not a perfect church. I am absolutely not a perfect pastor. But I, I I I was I was told by clergy recently. Local clergy in this area. You, you guys at Antioch have done something most of us haven't done. Because the church is not supposed to be one color. A church. A church is not supposed to be one color. There's neither Jew nor Greek, bond or free. A church should be representative of the church and ultimately the church that is going to be in heaven. And Revelation 5 and 9 says this, They sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood, by thy blood out of every, somebody say every, out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. There are not going to be multiple heavens. There's only going to be one heaven. And that heaven is going to be made up of every kindred, every tongue, every people, every nation. If that's what heaven's going to be like, that's what the church should be like. I've said it already, my parents came in 1970, felt led to come to Annapolis to start this church, and I, I, they, they, they said to me, that group said to me a couple of weeks ago, you know, we, we, need to, we need to hear from you one day to see how you guys did it. And I thought, oh, oh boy. Of course, I wasn't here when it all started, so I, I don't know. Obviously, I could go... Asked my dad, so what, what did you do? How did you do it? 
And I may very well do that at some point, but here's, here's what I think occurred to me. The reason why this church became what it was because there was no effort well, we have to reach a certain group. Or, or let me say it, we got to make sure. Forgive me for saying it this way, but this, this is the, this, they didn't, my parents didn't come to Annapolis and say, well, we got to, we got to reach African Americans. They came to, to reach people. Because when you get in the kingdom, we're fellow citizens. That doesn't mean we all lose our identity. Doesn't mean we give up our, you know, some things about our, our culture. I thank God for some of the natural variety. But the bottom line is, we in the kingdom, in the church, it's not black, white, Hispanic. It, we're children of God. We've been made one. By the blood of Jesus, we have been made fellow citizens. We have been made family members. I I didn't finish my point earlier. The Bible references the church as being the family of God. And just like a natural family that can be fighting one minute against each other, but fighting others the next, the same thing happens in the church. John said it this way in 1 John chapter 3, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. When you're born again, you become a son, and that's generic there in the sense of relationship, not gender specific there, but you become a son of God. And then he says this, It does not yet appear what we shall be. What he's saying is, just because I'm born again doesn't mean I become everything I'm going to be. There's still room for growth and improvement, but, but there is something that's working inside of me. And he says, there's coming a day when we shall be like him. I don't know about you, but I know there's a gap between me and Jesus today. I'm trying to be like him. I'm trying to be more like him, but I'm not there yet. But I've got something that's working on the inside of me. And just because I'm imperfect doesn't make him imperfect. There is neither Jew nor Greek. Brother, brother, brother Parrish, can I can I pick on you for just a moment? You're one of our you're one of our newest folks. I think it was about four weeks ago now, if I'm not mistaken, first service. First service about four weeks ago. You know what? I don't know about anybody else, but it feels like to me you've been around forever. It's not like, well, there, there's, there's, there's Parrish and he's, he's brand new and he's got a work to become. No, a couple of weeks ago, he received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and he was baptized in Jesus' name. At that very moment, he became a fellow citizen. At that very moment, he became one of us. Not something you gotta strive for. Not something you gotta earn or work or deserve. Thanks to Brother Tony over there, I started playing pickleball last year. Fastest growing sport in America or the world, I don't know, one or the other. 
you know, it, and, and it's uh, kind of funny. A lot of people that play pickleball are old people. I'm not young anymore, so I, that, I mean, like, there's a guy that plays up at the Y in Serena Park. Dude's like in his mid-80s, and he's good. <laughs> I don't mean to be offensive to some of you with what I'm about to say, but if I'm sorry, but, man, it's kind of rough on the pride when you got 70-year-old grandmothers on the opposite side of the court, and you're getting beat by them. I mean, most athletic situations, you look across at your opponent, and it's a 70-year-old, 75-year-old lady. You're like, yeah, I think, I, I think I'm going to be all right here. <laughs> Lost again. <laughs> It's funny because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm new to playing. I played racquetball for years with a bunch of guys at another, at Severna Park Racquetball Club, and after COVID, they all stopped. And so, you know, it, it, it's, 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 so I'm, I'm, I'm one of the newer, newer people there. And, you know, the people that aren't that good, if you'll just play with them, they're fine. <laughs> you'll, if, you'll be a, if you'll be their partner on their team, they're good. But then there's other people, they're like sizing you up. I'm not a very outgoing person. You may not think that by this morning, but I'm really not. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, I was up there, and there was, there was three guys that were fairly decent, and they were on, there's four main courts there, and you're supposed to rotate around and different pins. There were three guys over there, and like, you know, I'd like to play. They're pretty good. I don't know if I'm quite as good as they are, but I think I'm okay, and I went through this whole thing, you know, do I want to go over there and ask them and possibly get rejected? So I finally walk over there. You need four to play. Like, hey, guys, you want a fourth? And this young dude, responds, no, thanks, we're just dinking around. I'm going to dink you out of this racquetball, out of this why. We're just, what they were saying, really what they were saying was, I, I, I got the interpretation. What they were saying was, we're waiting on one more guy to come who's in our group. That, that's life. There's not a person in this room today that doesn't have some kind of story of somewhere being rejected for various reasons. I shared a story on the, the church communication platform we use. I went into uh, went into First Watch restaurant on uh, Tuesday for for uh, breakfast and went there with Brother Mike McGurk, one of our staff members, and we were going there to talk about ministry stuff. And, and this, this very sweet hostess sat us. And, and when we first walked in, I smiled, and we smiled. And, and, um, and uh, Mike said to her, he said, God is good. And she responded and said, all the time. Not everybody knows what to say when somebody says God is good. So you're like, ah, okay, I, I got that. And uh, she went and sat us down, and and uh, some of you have seen my story on 
one realm, but for those of you that haven't, I sat down, and when I first sat down, I just kind of rubbed my face and sighed. You don't really expect this from a hostess seating you at a restaurant. She looked at me. She said, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm just, just a little tired. And next thing I know, this lady is preaching to me. She said, I didn't think, I, I don't think I said it on the video. First thing she said, you know, pastors have to learn to let it go too. Can you hurry up and bring me the water, please? <laughs> she said, how can you teach me to let it go if you're not learning how to let it go? Whew. For about five or six minutes. At one point, she kind of reached over. She was talking and patted my chest. She was in her mid to late 60s, so don't nobody worry. She, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not, I said, oh, don't worry about that, you're all good. Before she walked away from the table, she reached over, I never had this happen, don't ever really ever expect it to happen again, gave me a hug sitting right there. And I went back the next day, that was Tuesday, I went back Wednesday morning, I, I went and got a thank you card, and I just, I went and walked in, she happened to just be at the counter, and I gave her that, and, and, uh, and um, she said, she, she, in essence, said, thank you for not rejecting me yesterday. Because part of what she was saying was, you know, we, we don't know. She was a very spiritual lady. In fact, she's coming tonight. She said, because that's what we're used to. That's what we're used to. We're used to people rejecting us. But can I tell you, first and foremost, He will never reject you. <laughs> the people that ought to be gun-shy of Jesus are the religious people. The people Jesus was the harshest with in Scripture were the ones that were dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's. They brought an adulterous woman to him because they wanted her to be judged and he shows mercy and there were others that came to him that deserved to be judged and he shows grace and mercy. So I'm going to tell you first and foremost, Jesus Christ always responds with grace and mercy and you don't have to worry about whatever you've done, whatever you've been through, him rejecting you. But I'm also going to tell you today, we may not get it perfectly right all the time, but the church, the church, not a church, the church is a place where there is open access to you to not just become a second class citizen or member, but to be a fellow citizen. You who were not a people are now, are now the people of God. Man, the different places geographically that we come from today and then all of the places that we come from in our lives, different backgrounds. It's only one thing that brings us together. But that thing that brings us together makes us all one. 
You're no more strangers. You're no more foreigners. You are fellow citizens. Fellow citizens. You who were not a people are now not just any people, but you are now the people of God. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Only the blood of Jesus. I read a couple of years ago, I don't remember, I think it was like an article that I read. And this article was, it was talking about, it was, a, it was talking to people who felt like they were supposed to go and start a church someplace. And in essence, it said you need to you need to determine the demographic that you're going to target. When do I get the right to choose the demographic of who I want to reach? And then it went on to say this: you you ought to try to reach for people that you would be interested or you'd like to go on vacation with you. What in the world? There's some people here today that are very dear to me. That if that was the case, we'd have never connected vacation with me don't even get near me (laughs) I don't trust you but now we are the people of God now we are the people neither Jew nor Greek bond nor free we are the people there's an old song, and this is not a suggestion. Sometimes this is a subtle suggestion, but it's not really this time. There's an old song that says, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Nothing in the world that is like, oh, preacher, how do I get a part of this family? Come shake your hand and no, 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 no. No. You're born into it. Wait a minute, then that excludes me. No, I'm not talking about natural birth. Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, He said, if you want to enter the kingdom, you've got to be born again. John says, "What? am I supposed to go back to my mother's womb? And No, I'm not talking about that natural birth. You've got to be born again. You've got to be born again of the water and the spirit. The, the church is not an organization to join. Church is a living organism to be born into, to be reborn into. 
I'm going to tell you today, if you're not, and again, I don't mean this church. I'm not talking about this church specifically. If you're not a part of the church, I'm here to tell you today, it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, where you've come from. You don't have to worry about being rejected by the one who says it's his church. I want you to stand, if you would, please. I think there's some people here today that you're you're kind of used to being shunned or you're used to not being good enough you're used to not being accepted but God is is wanting you there's a there's another verse that talks about being grafted in that God would love to make you a part of his body today if that means you become a his part of his body and you become a part of this church body, wonderful. But if you become a part of his body and you never come back here again, that's fine. It's not, it's not what I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about, though, there is a place that you belong. There's a God who provided everything necessary for you to be able to be a part of his body. Would you do me a favor just right where you're standing, bow your head, close your eyes for a moment. And as I usually say, if nothing else, I'm going to ask you to do that just maybe for somebody around you that may want to respond here in a moment. Help them feel a little more comfortable. You know what, whether just because you come here all the time doesn't mean the enemy doesn't try to isolate you or cause you to feel rejected or take advantage of things you go through to make you feel like you're not a part or you're less of a part. So maybe there's somebody here today, you, you need the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord to remind you that you are, you are a fellow citizen. Doesn't matter how many times you've stumbled. Doesn't matter how many times you've messed up. The Bible says of the story of the prodigal son, he came back home after wasting his father's inheritance and he was going to just just make me a servant. I just want to be a servant. But his father still treated him as a son. So if you're here today, and it doesn't matter what mistakes you've made. The father still welcomes with open arms. and. And kind of on the other, I guess, maybe extreme of it. Maybe you've, you've never become a part of the church. Again, I'm not trying to just be redundant, but it's just important to me you understand when I say that. I'm not necessarily talking about this church. I'm talking about the, the body of Christ. And you really want to be a part of something where you are a, you're a fellow citizen. <laughs> you're not just an outsider. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if that's you today, or maybe the enemy's been trying to tell you you're just not good enough, you're not enough, you're you're not truly a part. That's you. Would I want to invite you just to step out of your seat and come come make your way down front. And as you do that, I'm going to ask somebody to join with you, pray with you, and partly as a sign of demonstrating. We're in this together. We're in this together. We're all equal 
shares in this body. Father, I pray right now. Lord, I believe there are those in this place today that their lives have been such. They're, they're very used to being viewed as an outsider. They're very used to not truly being considered a part of something. But that's not your church, Lord. That's not your body. Lord, you said you've, you've broken down the wall of partition. You've, you've broken down the things that separate us and divide us, Lord, to make us one. Lord, wherever we come from today, whatever our process, our path has been to bring us to this moment, we, we all have the same access, the same right to be a part those of us who were not a people are now your people. We can be your people. In the name of Jesus, let your spirit touch hearts and lives in this place right now, Lord. Lord, I pray for those in this place today that carry wounds of rejection, that live with the pain of being rejected whether it's family, friends, other settings, other circumstances. God, you are a healer today. You're a healer not just of our physical bodies, but you're a healer of our hearts, our minds, our spirits. In the name of Jesus, if you're comfortable with it, just just some have come, but you're comfortable with it maybe just right where you're standing would you just just reach over to the person nearby you and just for a moment just just pray that the lord would touch us help us heal lord i pray that right now your spirit your presence would heal hearts in this place Lord, those perhaps that are afraid to even respond because they're so used to being rejected, that they're not even really willing to take that step. I pray that your presence, your spirit would just envelop them right where they are right now, that they would feel the, the safety, the security of your presence, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, give us the faith to believe that we are fellow citizens, joint heirs with you, as your word says, Lord. Access. Access to anything and everything that you have, God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we trust you, believe you for your touch in this place right now, Lord. Lord, your word says that we are changed by the renewing of our minds. I pray that minds would be renewed in this place today. Minds that live with the lies that the enemy has told them. Let those minds be renewed today. Let those minds be made whole today in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus 
by the power of your spirit today, Lord. We, we thank you for your grace and your mercy in our lives that has brought us together. We thank you for your blood that makes us one, Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Once again, thank you for being here today. Again, if you're a guest, thank you for being a part of our service this morning. God bless you. You're dismissed. In Jesus' name.